Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaByUs.com. Joining me today is TJ. Dot com. Brett. Hi. Yes. Dot biz. Oh. Ooh. And my name is uh, David. Dot Bart. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to have a smorgasbord of topics. Uh, we're going to compress what we do in two podcasts into one because uh, we're putting the site on vacation for a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we're going to start off uh, like we always do with our watch list and see what we've been watching. Does anyone want to go Primero? Three of us went and saw the only movie I watched this week. Everybody but David, we all went and saw Baby Driver. And it was really good, <laughs> I thought. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I think Brent's a little more warm on it than, than Chris and I are. Are you guys more hot or more cold? Hot. Hot. It's uh, gotcha. not as good as Colossal or Get Out for me, but it's better than Logan, I thought. I had it, yeah. I had it out there. Yeah, it's probably my... I haven't seen a lot this year, but it's probably my number one of the year so far. It's, it's really good. <clears throat> the the editing is incredible. As always, and you're right, yeah, the editing I mean, is is the main character. He said I to make a car chase movie, and he crushed it. Hmm. As a car chase movie, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's... Uh, the most like stylish movie I think I'll see all year is really fun to watch. Yeah, as the only person who hasn't seen it, I'll interview you guys. Okay, oh. cool. Does it ever, uh, from the trailers and from the interviews and stuff, it sounds like it's pretty focused on being cool. Does yes. it ever get beyond being cool to have you have a genuine connection with the characters or baby? Oh. Um, I will start by saying not really because, and that's the one reason why it's just like a four star movie for me instead of a five, mm-hmm. but. The fact that it's still a four-star movie without having a real strong connection to the characters is how good, like, the coolness was in the movie. Technical aspects. Yeah. Yeah. The the romance between Ansel Elgort, that's his name, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow. And uh, the love interest. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's not even secondary. It's tertiary. I think secondary is his relationship to his foster yeah. dad. To Doc. That relationship. Kevin Spacey's character. Genuine and... I cared about it more than I did about the couple. Yeah. Weird. I, I, I cared about it the least, oddly enough. I uh, mean, that, that, the stuff he did with his foster dad is what created that character, though. The, like, lip syncing and dancing to everything. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's got a deaf foster dad, I feel like. Oh, oh, you're talking about the foster dad. I thought you were talking about Doc. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the African-American. Yeah. Deaf wheelchair guy. I mean, I think, I think this is, it's mostly, in, in order of importance, I think, as... Maybe as Edgar Wright set out, but what I saw was style in the mm-hmm. car chase scenes and in just like all of the characters are, you know, they all have nicknames. Baby Driver is, you know, the name of the protagonist and is the least cool nickname, but everyone else has got like, mm-hmm. you know, like Blades and, you know, I guess AJ is the only one who doesn't have a good nickname. But Is Tom Everett and Scott in it as Shades? <laughs> <laughs> Expanding the, the Scottiverse. <laughs> but then second is the music. I mean, yeah. music plays a huge role in it um, as the main character has tinnitus and drowns out the constant ringing with music. So in every scene, there is music playing, and it's mm-hmm. great music. And when there's when he doesn't have when he has his right earbud in, you can only hear music from the right speaker, oh, which is a really cool edit, sound yeah. editing or mixing. It was real neat. And if he doesn't have any in, there's a dull ringing noise. If he's if it's a scene with him on screen, which I think he's in every scene. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really cool, and there's 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 <clears throat> some great editing in time with music. Like the "Don't Stop Me Now" scene from uh, Shaun of the Dead, right? Um, except with shooting and like the ag- whole movie, like aggro that, yeah, mm-hmm. constant. But it never feels overdone, yeah. And then it's really 
slight kind of. Yeah. It's really good. The only times that I ever really pulled it out of the movie and felt like, oh, that's editing, was uh, some of the shooting with John Hamm. Yeah, that was, there's, uh, you talking about when there was one where, uh, like, all the noises were different downbeats and upbeats. Yeah. So it'd be like, boom, boom, yeah. like, and it was all, like, to the beat of the music. Yeah. Like, all the reloads and mm. gunshots and... It, if he slammed a door, it'd be like on a civil crash or yeah. whatever. It was like oh, and super on point. Every, every action of every character is timed to music mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie. During the action scenes, yeah. Oh, apparently for the entire movie. I read a thing that Edgar Wright said that they strive to make it so that you could be deaf and watch it. And you would feel the rhythm of the movie. Neat. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then and then third is the plot and the characters and the action. Like, I mean, Question for Brett: Do you you think Shaun of the Dead's a five star movie? Maybe I know you haven't seen it probably since you've started, um, started the. Project. Yeah, no, probably it's it's very close to it. I see. Me. I think the characters are the same in Shaun of the Dead. Like I'm not invested in Scott Pilgrim, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead characters. It's just like a perfect movie in its vacuum. Somebody else maybe agree with that. Uh, I'm I'm pretty emotionally connected to the like the Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead characters. Because I think it, they have, like, a simple momentum to it or a simple drive for what they're doing. Like, Shaun of the Dead is about friendship. And yeah. Outgrowing your friends. And Hot Fuzz is about... Mentors. Mentors, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a buddy comedy slash zombie movie and then a buddy cop movie. So, I think for, at the forefront is the buddy aspect of it. And, like, at the end of Shaun of the Dead, spoilers for a fucking 14-year-old movie... You know, when <clears throat> Nick Frost is a zombie and he goes into the shed and plays PlayStation with him, like, that's that to me is touching. Mm-hmm. And when he saves him by jumping down into the basement and is like, like, yeah, I know I'm going to die. And then he says, you know, sorry, you know, what for? And he starts laughing because he Yeah, I guess I just didn't have any... And there's a tearful moment, kind of, which mm-hmm. is yeah. weird. I didn't care that he got turned into a zombie, though. Yeah. Well, and if, I, mean, I guess I cared more that he lost his friend. Yeah, as he knew it. I just didn't care either way because they didn't. I felt like they didn't make me. He's <laughs> a sociopath. <laughs> well, I just feel like that movie didn't lend itself to it. Like, it's way more depressing when people died in way worse zombie <clears throat> movies because yeah. they were making a joke the whole time. Like, right. It's not a serious moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I I can totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. 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 I just, it's it's weird to separate that from Baby Driver though because I mean it's the same thing of yeah especially the way it, the way the Kevin Spacey story arc ends yeah I would say that Simon Pegg though is a good actor at displaying emotion like he's kind of manic sometimes and from what I've seen of Ansel Elwart he's kind of uh, he's, he's, he's pretty he's kind of a zero. whole movie yeah but that's, that, I haven't seen that, it but that's the character that would that's seem the character. to be the yeah. difference yeah, I hate to sound like I'm over-criticizing it. Again, I yeah, really I enjoyed this movie. Right. It's one of the more fun experiences I've had at the theater. And I think that's where people probably should see it, is at the theater. I think For it's sure. a hell of an experience. Or, or um, when it's out with, with headphones on. Ooh, yeah. That would be fun, too. Yeah, that would be cool. I'll, I'll probably rewatch it that way. Yeah. Um, but... At the same time, like it, when you get into the details beyond the style and beyond the music, it's... Kind of blah, like it's like I I wasn't crazy about the plot choices later in the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked the shifting objective, yeah. um, and the because in the three acts of the film there are there are three completely different objectives, and I I don't know I, I liked it because it, it it kept me interested in the really short but obvious like twists that would happen, you know, even within just like the driving. And the, the, like the second heist, what happens with the uh, other driver? Yeah. Like the unexpected moments f- 
feel genuine with the payoff when you have people wearing different hats as villain or as you know accomplice. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I have I have lots of high praise for it. As not not to force the discussion into wrapping this up, but if I had to rank uh, Edgar Wright movies, Ooh. I would probably put this below Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. So I would go Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, and then you're leaving out the World's that's End. Probably your favorite, Scott. Oh Did yeah, Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim's probably right after uh, Shaun of the Dead. It's behind Shaun of the Dead and Scott Pilgrim for me, but above Hot Fuzz and World's End. It would be fourth for me. Like yeah. it's, uh, I like it better than World's End. Less than I think it's comparable to Scott Pilgrim for me. Mm-hmm. It just I, I feel like Scott Pilgrim has a little more heart to it, uh, and I like that. Yeah. Um, it's also really ne- near and dear to uh, David and I as Canadian immigrants who mm-hmm. play a lot of nerdy video games <laughs> that all get referenced in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I guess those are the, are those his five. Yeah, he's done more than yeah. well, he's got one that never got released. Yeah. Or, and it, doesn't he, have a copy out there. And he EP'd Paul, but he didn't direct Paul. He wrote Ant-Man, some of it anyway. Yeah. Those are the only ones that he's writer-director on. Makes me want to rewatch At World's End. Yeah, I wonder if I'm I just short, saw it once in the it. theaters, and those kind of movies are growers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I watched it again fairly it's recently, see that again. up until yeah. like the final reveal, mm-hmm. and then I had to go do something. And it's it's a solid fucking movie. Yeah, like there's like the, no no shade at no shade thrown at at World's End, but you know it's the weakest of the five. Mm-hmm. We'll say this: there's a lot of discussion on some of the our Facebook groups and and social media in general that the trailers didn't do a good job portraying that the movie was going to be like something more than Fast and the Furious Nine. I still think the trailers were there to get those people in because the people like us are going to go see that movie. Regardless of the trailer, yeah. because, because of the rights right. attached to it, yeah, was, I, I agree. Yeah. I, when I saw the trailer, I was I don't know, I was a little disappointed with what it looked like, but I just thought I'm still going to see it because yeah. I like it. He right. hasn't made a bad movie yet. Yeah. They're all amazing. Um, the 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 one ad that I only saw once uh, that I thought was really smart uh, ad placement was a quote from the Rolling Stone that that flashed on screen during something and said, uh, "Baby Driver uses music the way people breathe." I thought, like, yeah, I want to see a movie that is super stylish and has, like, great music and editing. Yeah. But I don't care who directed it. It felt almost like experimental filmmaking without being unentertaining, which is yeah. hard to do. That's why I ended up with a five star for me. It's just because I was totally engaged the entire time. Mm-hmm. I was, my fists were clenched for, like, two-thirds of that movie. Yeah. I still don't know if, to tell David, I still don't know if they go overkill with the Atlanta stuff. In the movie, or if I'm just recognized all of it because it's, I live here. I mean, it, overkill's a strong word, maybe, but like they do. But it is it is set in Atlanta, right? Yeah. yeah. Where some people say, you know, they're doing San Francisco like, for Atlanta or something yeah. like that. He says Spaghetti Junction. They turn it. He's trying to find a radio station that plays classic rock, and he turns it to like our local radio yeah, station, the River. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's talk of, like, and that's the way I would do it. Jonesboro, no, not Jonesboro. Dunwoody, Dunwoody, Perimeter. That uh, Baby Driver was the ghost of 85, uh, you know, was in a car chase and disappeared on I-85 in the mm. middle of rush hour. You see the road sign <laughs> from Cortland at one point? Yeah. I mean, it's very clearly Edgewood uh, that his apartment's at. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know about Overkill. I would say the the way I would describe it is it is exhaustively authentic to mm-hmm. Atlanta. To the point where you do you do wonder like I, it made me wonder like do other do they do this for other cities and other I, movies? I think they I just don't think I, so. I think they do and I think directors like Edgar Wright always would. 
he he hired a pair of consultants yeah. who lived in Atlanta who like went around and they like workshopped the script yeah. to make sure that any references were Atlanta because I think originally it was supposed to film in Philly huh. but they had problems with permits and uh, the taxes I think I read that it was supposed it, to be Philly but if you're in Atlanta and I would call this a must see movie just yes. because you it's it it's never had that it was just had that spotlight in that kind of a movie before. I did walk out. I was like, I was wondering, would I like this if it were set in Denver? Like, as much? Would I like mm-hmm. the movie as much if it were in Denver or Seattle? I think I'd like it. I don't know if I'd like it as much. Because a lot of the movie, I was just grinning at places I knew. Because mm-hmm. I'm from Atlanta. So, I don't know. But I liked it. That was all I watched this week. I'll, I'll go quick because I didn't watch anything else. Uh, and this is kind of uh, edging into news. The dark YouTube holes that I get into. Games Done Quick just finished their most recent marathon of speedrunning. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching a bunch of it. Um, it's a charity event where they bring in speedrunners. And so from July 2nd to today, um, they just speedrun a variety of games. And it's for charity. Um, this year they're, I think, not just this year, but they're doing Doctors Without Borders. Mm-hmm. And I just read a news story. They broke last year's uh, Summer Games Done Quick with $1.76 million. Donate, wow. Donated just speedrunning video games. Crazy. Um, incredible. There was a controversial world record uh, for uh, Symphony of the Night. Mm. Um, but apparently the timer was fast by like hundredths of a second or thousandths <laughs> of a second. And so it's not actually a world record. But it's great speed runs and it's for a good cause. So I was watching a lot of it. Those things are fun to watch. Yeah. I sent I sent David a message because Star Tropics, I don't know if you guys have heard, but... I beat that game. Yeah. Oh, nice. They play and beat it in an hour and seven seconds. Did you do it that fast? Hour which and seven is, minutes. Which is insane. Yeah. I probably spent an hour and seven seconds just on the you died screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's it's a deathless run, you know, mm-hmm. as you'd expect from someone who who basically professionally plays this game. It's like watching it, you don't understand how hard the game is. Yeah, but they try and explain that it's like grid based motion, so mm-hmm. like you have to, you can't turn in place, you can't no. like really pivot. It's that yeah, so but it's all really but it's all like puzzles based on like all right, if you face left, you have to move left. But so if you perfect the pivoting, which is you just feather on the, the direction, mm-hmm. then you'll just turn in place. <laughs> but yeah, it was like really fun to watch. Hmm. Don't understand why it took you so long to beat it. <laughs> would it take I you like I an... didn't raise any money when I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so would it take you like an hour and twelve minutes? An hour and like fifteen? <laughs> Slow poke. But yeah. Slow poke. So if you're interested in seeing any of your like childhood games that you hold dear <laughs> Um, just destroyed. Like they, they did a whole Super Mario series relay race where they had two teams of speedrunners play through Super Mario Bros. Two, Three, and World. Speedrun all four of those games. Uh, relay it. <laughs> yeah, and so they would like tag off, off between the games. The next game. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, crazy. Cool. Yeah, and they, it was warpless and glitchless, so they had to actually complete it using the intended path. I did ah. Super Mario Three once, and like. Well under an hour, and still the speed run on that game is so fast. It's like with with warps, it's like seven minutes. Yeah, and without, it's still only like forty, maybe thirty. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, I did a speed run of Donkey Kong Junior Math. <laughs> Twenty three minutes. I'm gonna let you got a shot at the world record on that one. I'm gonna look it up and let you know. Uh, there's no way I didn't the world record. And it, interesting, I always kind of pictured the speed running with older games but I guess you're saying like Symphony of the Night they deal with some newer games too yeah oh Breath of the Wild got speed run really yeah 45 minutes a game oh. a game that people are playing for 70 hours somebody beat in 45 minutes I guess it, it makes that kind of makes <laughs> a little more sense to me 
Because yeah. nowadays with the open world stuff, you get distracted with a lot of the side quests. Right. Like, I bet you could probably do Skyrim in like an hour. I you just did main quest. It's really funny. They, they do a uh, they do a section that's uh, awful games done quick, mm-hmm. where they play like just like really shitty games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's normally like really late at night. Like Hello Kitty's pant design oh, yeah. game or something. Speed run. I don't know. It's, I'm ready. Skyrim I'm ready was, for the. I think Skyrim was like 40 minutes. Ready for the annual, our buddy Bebo, ready for his annual Mega Man run. Yeah. <laughs> Team vacation. Yeah. It crashed two years ago at the end. Oh, yeah. He's so upset. He's in like the third Wiley stage and paused it to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember how difficult that Lion King game was? Someone beat it in 15 minutes. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. On the hardest difficulty. There's speed run ET. <laughs> yeah, twelve days. <laughs> it's a speed walk. So whoever started playing it first, because they're still playing. But like, yeah, they, they play a lot of first-person shooters because it turns out those games can be broken pretty easily because there's mm-hmm. lots of unintended, uh, like boundaryless walls. Sure. So you can like clipping. So like Doom, the the new Doom gets speed run, and I think the record is like sub an hour because there's a way to walk outside of the map. And then get on like above the level. You have to memorize a path to walk because you can't see anything because it's all like glitched out. And if you don't walk this precise path, the game will freeze and like lock up, and you have to reset and restart. Mm-hmm. And so watching these guys, a get up to those points because when you're designing a game, like you don't expect someone to like, oh, I'm going to jump on these boxes that you can't normally get to. But under these crazy circumstances where you, like, jump on top of a staggered zombie's head. Yeah. And then you rocket jump off of him onto a box and then onto another box. And then you're on top of the level. You know, those are just unintended breaks. Yeah. But they're really neat. I guess if you're not interested in video games, you'll find this section very fucking boring. But I, I think it's cool. Do they have any more, like, authentic uh, non... Uh, or versions of, like, a speedrun where they don't take advantage of glitches? Yeah, where it's just, like, kill every monster or kill every there, villain. There's 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 variations on speedruns. So there's, like, glitchless, warpless, and then there's any percent or 100%. Any percent means, that like, however you can, finish the game. Right. Get to the credit scene. Right. 100% is, like... Do everything. Do everything. Collect everything. Get all the Nern roots. Mm. Like, I want to watch, watch, I wanna the, watch uh, that speed run. Mario Kart 64 tournament they have every year. <clears throat> they would always have multiple. Yeah. Of like glitches and then like shortcuts that aren't glitches and then nothing. Yeah. I feel like glitches are more fun to play than they are to watch. They're mm-hmm. crazy to watch once, but right. then after that. Yeah. Like, because you don't, you don't get the same reverence for the execution because it's all like manual manipulation. Yeah. Of, like, a controller, and that doesn't play well on the screen, but, like... Really fun to execute, though. Yeah. It still feels good when you hit one. Yeah. But, like, watching someone walk up to, like, who's the big dragon Skyrim? Is it, like, Mayrunes or something? No, Mayrunes... Oh, that's from Mayrunes an old god, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's... watching someone, like, one-hit, like, the end boss of this, like, crazy open-world game that you put, like, 70 mm-hmm. hours into... And this guy's been playing for a half hour and is like, oh, I picked up this weapon because it deals X, Y damage. And so you can just like sneak up behind him and punch him in the back of the head. And then it's credits. <laughs> but I can't remember the dragon. It's bothering me. Well, it's not like you spent a lot of time with it. You just started playing. Yeah, and you don't really have any like internet devices to look it up. <laughs> it's rough. All right. But that sounds cool. Yeah. Game's done quick. Check it out. Da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. All right. Then as far as what I've been watching, I'll go ahead and take the next one. Yeah. The next slot. So one movie. It's kind of a movie. I saw Tour de Pharmacy last night. You guys know what that is? Nope. 
Is it the second in the Andy Samberg HBO Sports specials? Yes, it is. Oh, shit. Where they do the... It just came on last night. It's watching uh, that today. Yeah, it's a Tour de France where all like 107, 170 cyclists are are doping, basically, and yes. using all kinds of drugs. Um, it's... Uh, I kind of like the series because it's 40 minutes total. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same with the last one, Seven Days in Hell. I think I like the tennis one more, the Wimbledon one. I think it was but hilarious. It's just kind of funny. It's like, uh, it's longer than a half hour comedy, but less than a movie. So if there's some stuff that's like stupid and they don't really go into something, like then it's over. I don't know. They, they pay off some stuff that's that's kind of funny and some stuff is just Nonsense. completely wacky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the Seven Days in Hell, there's like a 10 minute, maybe not 10 minutes, but like five or six minute talk about uh, his underwear he'd made. <laughs> it was like a total side story. And then they spent five minutes on the guy who was trying to fly out of... The guy who was trying to invent planes. It was like a complete side story. Mm-hmm. Made oh, yeah, no yeah, sense yeah, yeah. at all. If you like that in, in that, it's definitely in uh, this one too. Yeah. Like they, they go to explain uh, you know what doping is. And then they go to a like 60s style educational cartoon about what white red blood cells are. And then from that, the red blood cell cartoon is insane. It goes off in a direction, then it talks to the cartoonist of that one that got fired from Sesame Street. And then at the end, like Joe Buck's like, but doping. So they were doping. I love that guy. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I'll watch that tonight. That's great. And John Cena's in it too. As a, nice. Uh, as a doping Austrian, he's, he's pretty funny. Is there's a, also John Cena has the build of a cyclist. Yeah. <laughs> well, they show him like like the prior year's race, a yeah. Photoshop of him being the scrawny guy, and then afterwards, <laughs> it's part of the like everyone is on so many drugs. Nice. Um, yeah, but it's an entertaining forty minutes. Cool. Oh, yeah, and nice. they really nailed the sports doc aesthetic, like thirty for thirty. John Hamm is like the deadly serious narrator, like going through everything and they got actual people talking about stuff and some fake people. Lance Armstrong in it? Lance Armstrong is heavily in it. And it, it it's a pretty funny uh, conceit. You've probably seen the previews of like I didn't know it existed. Oh, yeah. Lance Armstrong is in it as a he's supposed like his identity is supposed to be masked. So it's like he's got like the altered voice and and like it's completely darked out, but they keep fucking with that each time. Like he'll get a text and it'll light up his face, <laughs> and then a guy will open the blinds. He's like, seriously? It's like it's just such a nice day outside. <laughs> and he's like, but you can't see my face. I feel like you can. It's like, nah, we're good on the monitors. And it's just like. <laughs> so he's. I mean, he talks about like. Uh, Stuff where it's very surprising he's talking about it. Yeah. I guess, you know, make fun of it yourself. Yeah. No, no, 40 minutes. It's pretty stupid. But it's okay. <laughs> First one was stupid, and I loved it. Yeah, like twice. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I saw was I did see Castlevania series. Oh, yes. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. I was Short. surprised how fast it came out. I feel like I was, you know, hearing news that it was going to come out <clears throat> and like whenever, and all of a sudden it was here. It's like four short episodes, right? Yeah, it's four episodes of uh, 30 minutes. So, yeah. it's less than 100 minutes total. So, Castlevania is really short, though. It's like 100 minutes total for, like, 25-minute episodes. It's essentially like a, a movie they broke into four episodes. But uh, it's pretty fun. They nice. take some stuff that's straight from, like, Symphony of the Night with the Lin- the Lisa and Dracula stuff. Uh-huh. You have some of her direct, like, dialogue. Marie. No. Uh, Lisa is the father... <laughs> 
or the mother, Maria, is the person oh, who okay. enters the castle okay. without a card. Yeah. I just know specifically because I just yeah. saw it. Yeah. I read that it's... Uh, it's it borrows have well I don't know about borrows but it's it's supposed to remind you of Game of Thrones a little bit with its style Is yeah that true? a little bit it takes everything um, there's not really any any uh, winks of humor or anything like that like we know this is you know melodramatic it's full melodrama very serious very bloody like very very bloody yeah which is pretty pretty fun very anime style and I don't know, I guess Game of Thrones kind of it's it's Kind of predates that in my mind, okay. Because it's really just kind of true to the series, where the series is okay. yeah. deadly serious about yeah. Draculas and, <laughs> and werewolfmen. Um, do they uh, do they have the same voice actor for Dracula that they had in the English version of Symphony of the Night? They don't. Damn it! Because that that's if you haven't heard the the terrible voice work, it's like it's like when they were localized Symphony of the Night, they're like, oh shit. They want us to put voice work in this, and we need someone to do Dracula. And they just like got a guy off the street because his his reading is so bad. It's just like, what is a man? Yeah, ha ha ha. Meat, something a bag of meat and bones. Or yeah, something. a pile of secrets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they got a they got a different guy. Uh, I think his name is Graham McTavish. He may be. Oh. A, he's from something. Oh yeah, I recognize that name. He's got oh, a great. I'm voice. thinking of Soap McTavish. <laughs> oh yeah, from Call of Duty. Anyway, Graham McTavish was is a Scottish actor. He was a dwarf. Yep, he was a dwarf. He was in Creed. Shit, he's got a lot of work. Like he's, recently, he's got a good voice, and um, it's essentially. I don't know if you guys have played it, but it's Castlevania three. So you have Trevor Belmont, you have uh, the sorceress Sifa, I think. Yeah. And you have Alucard in it, and Alucard's played by. Uh, they don't have like the little like acrobat dude. Not to my knowledge, okay. but Alucard's played by Gaius Baltar from Battlestar. Oh, cool. oh awesome! Which is kind of cool. Yeah. It feels like a prequel Keith to run Calendary. into something. Yeah. Uh, James Callis. Just James Callis. But it feels like a preview. I don't want to spoil it, but I'll just say. The entire ending. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say they don't end the series by fighting Dracula. They kind of end the series, the four episodes, by uniting. They fight so, capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Honestly, there's, you know, it's only an hour and a half, so. Yeah. Essentially. I kind of ripped through it. Nice. And the action's fun, in it? A lot of whip stuff and sorties and... Little demons exploding. <laughs> little, little demons. <laughs> little demons. Little, 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 little demons. Little sorties. Little demons exploding. Is that for you? That's it for me. All right. I didn't watch a whole lot. I think the only movie other than Homework and Baby Driver that I saw was uh, Winter's Bone. Oh, so I rewatched it. It's so good. Hadn't seen it since 2010. Yeah, that movie's amazing. The movie's mm-hmm. just so bleak mm-hmm. and really impressive. But uh, great, great launching pad for her. Yeah. Into like stardom, clearly acclaimed stardom. Yeah. She doesn't speak a lot, but she's so like magnetic. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Hawk's so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. good. Everybody's so good. That's so. That movie feels so authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what year did it come out? Twenty ten. Did it sneak into Best Picture nom or no? It, it did. did. Yeah. Okay. Such yeah. A, well, such a good slate that year. Yeah, that's a good year. She got nominated Best Actress too, which I'd forgotten. Oh, I knew that. I knew that was her. So did uh, Hawks mm-hmm. for that. Got a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I really uh, liked that movie. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was a week of it was. Uh, it's just rewatches lately for for uh, me because Ashley and I, she had never seen Rogue One, so we watched Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Out as a rewatch for me. I hate to say she had never seen it. Like it's been out for a while, and like or like 
How could she have not seen it? It is it is unusual to be with me and not go see a Star Wars movie in a theater. So to be fair, you are currently wearing a Star Wars shirt. True. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. I feel like with this, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. But uh, and we also we watched uh, Get Out, which I had seen and she had not. And uh, I still haven't seen it. Yeah. Best movie of the year. So I will also recommend Get Out for a second for a rewatch at some point because, especially if you watch it the first time without kind of knowing what what the story is, which I did when I saw it in the theater, I had no idea really what it was about. And uh, because of that, it was really enjoyable. And then the rewatch was a lot, was a lot of fun too because uh, you notice a lot of things early in the movie that you would. Would not have noticed if you didn't know the twist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate to call it a twist. It's not really a twist, but it takes place in present day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see it. Right? No, uh, really? yeah, it's on, it's on voodoo, I think. Yeah, is it voodoo? Voodoo, the voodoo, the <laughs> the padu. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same. But I watched one movie, not to interrupt you if you're not done, but uh, I don't talk about it because David talked about it on the podcast when I wasn't here. But I highly recommend it. Throw it back out there, but uh, don't think twice. Improv movie, uh, written and directed by Mike Brabiglia. Brabigs. Mm-hmm. I watched it uh, yesterday morning. It was really, really good. It's it, a really interesting, different take they have on the like uh, ambition for stardom thing. I think. Yeah, I mean the, the Saturday Night Live jabs are fantastic. Yeah, as a is a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, unless they get you know always good. I mean, there's everyone in that movie was either a writer or rejected from Saturday Night Live, right? Uh, I feel like to be that big and your roots are improv, you have interacted with Saturday Night Live in some capacity. I don't know if any of their had... Like, I know the the brunette who's... She's acting in some movies, but she's mainly a writer. The Oh, was that... Not Dillian Jacobs and not um, Kate Kucci, but the other girl. She's, she's barely an actress. Like, you recognize her from bit roles, but she's uh, got, like, five Writers Guild Awards. Okay. Um, I think a lot of them came from late night and not not improv. Hmm. I don't think a lot of them. I mean, like Kikimato Key probably has improv roots, but I don't think Aiden Kuchu doesn't, and I don't think. Uh, I think she came up through UCB. Mm-hmm. Did she? Yeah. She. That, that, that's where Chris, she met Ricky Lindholm. Chris Gethard's pretty funny in it too. I think he came up through improv scene too. UCB. I didn't. ICP. No UCP. Uh, <laughs> Julian Jacobs. I doubt she did either. She could have. I guess. I don't know. I think Jillian, J- Jillian Jacobs is like Juilliard drama, classically trained actress. I know Brabiglia didn't. He just accidentally started doing stand <laughs> That's how he started. You can tell me he accidentally did anything in his life. Like, I accidentally got married. And it seems about right. <laughs> it just seems like a... <laughs> yeah. Go, go with the flow kind of... This, this is happening Eva. now. <laughs> this, this American Life stories are always so good. Oh, I guess I got married. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sleepwalk with me. I thought it was... I did too. Yeah. I like his comedy and stuff. Yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, this is recommend it. I won't talk about it too much, but go. It's on Netflix. See it. It's really good. Yeah, that was about it for me. It was a, a, a few TV shows, just like a few episodes here and there. But other than that, like, yeah. been watching, been getting back into Louie a little bit, oh, which, nice. is, hmm. which is, I love that show. It's and such a solid show. Also, rewatching the Party Down, because it's, yeah. it's been about five or six years since I watched any Party Down. Nice. But again, that's just like throw it on while you're doing other stuff kind of show. It's, it's fun. One of the things that people will, will, will one guy at work will say to me as we pass each other in the hall is, and I don't think he's seen Party Down, but I always want to like do it at him. He says, are we having fun yet? <laughs> are we having fun yet? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't not think about Party Down. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, let's transition in our colossal 
uh, Juggernaut episode into what we've all been watching, which was last week's homework, assigned by Brent, mm-hmm. is uh, this year's Netflix premiere, Bong Joon-ho's Okja. Okja. Okja! Yeah, I assigned it because it had been hyped up and the previews looked crazy, and I like Bong Joon-ho, of, mm-hmm. or at least what I've seen of his movies, and... Had a good cast, and I was interested in it, and it was it was crazy, and it was it was fun. I liked it. Well, it was fun to a point, and then it stopped being fun. But <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's that's the only knock for that movie for me. It definitely takes a it goes to a very dark place, and you know, I, I do think it earns it. I think if it doesn't go to that dark place, I think it is kind of failing as the. Satire that his movies always are. Yeah, you know, Snowpiercer is uh, Snowpiercer is like climate control. The host is like pollution, and this is like GMO and you know food processing stuff. I think mm-hmm. if it doesn't go to that dark place, I think it fails. I agree, minus the rape scene, the pig rape. That was that seemed out of place, and just like totally, the whole thing didn't. I thought it was amazing. I think I probably liked it better than than Brent did anyway. From what we've talked about it for just a little Yeah, I get the feeling it's similar to our views on, like, Baby Driver. It's just like, I liked it and you loved it. Yeah. I just, the, I struggle with the tone at times as well. It would be, like, very yes. cute and bubbly and then very, like, you know, my 13-year-old would not be, could not watch this movie. No. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask that as kind of a guiding question is, did the mix of tone work for you? Because it seems to be, like, a South Korean movies or definitely Bong Joon-ho. Yeah goes back and forth with tone like that slapstick to tragedy with his movies mm-hmm. I didn't feel like the moments in so I've just the host of Snowpiercer the only other two I've seen um, I feel like the host never got dramatic as dramatic as Okja got and I feel like uh, Snowpiercer never got as like bubbly and cute as Okja got so I feel like it was an extreme well, because Snowpiercer starts in the the dark place, really, because the back of the train is where. Yeah, but it definitely doesn't end where Oja began. I mean, it's still dark at the end. I'm just saying that if if it would Snowpiercer ends pretty dark. Snowpiercer, yeah. it's never as funny as Oja is. Oh. that's what I'm saying. I think it's pretty funny. I mean, it's also bubbly, and you know, you got the classroom education scene. Yeah, it was in Snowpiercer. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I'm just saying, not as funny as Oja was mm. at its funniest. Sure, there. Were ele- I thought there were elements of the movie that worked better than others. I loved the it, all the scenes between uh, Mija and Okja. So pretty in mm-hmm. the beginning, especially with them like in their yeah. like home and in Korea. That scene, the cliff scene at the beginning, oh, yeah. just had me on the edge of my seat. It was, it was so really good. well done, so well mm-hmm. filmed, and 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 everything. It was really I really like impressive. This movie is so technology dependent about you connecting with Okja, mm-hmm. and I think it does a great job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm instantly emotionally connected to Okja. Yeah. It's a computer generated hippo pig thing. Hippo pig. Yeah. I'm with you there. The other aspect that I loved the most was uh, my reminder, and I don't get reminded of this enough, my reminder that uh, Paul Dano commands the screen every time he's on it. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, he his, his the, the silent cue card scene in the hotel room where he's like apologizing to her and doesn't, doesn't say follow me, doesn't do anything, just like opens the window, steps out, mm-hmm. and she just like mm-hmm. follows him because that's what you do with Paul Dano when he's on screen. He's quiet charisma. Like he always delivers his lines really gentle, but you're always like on on every word, kind of. Maybe we just have a crush on him. <laughs> I really liked that everybody, that all the human characters besides Mija were kind of assholes at one point or another. Mm-hmm. That she was the only character that was kind of pure. Everybody else kind of sucked at times. It, even the grandfather. 
And Paul Dano, I mean... Yeah, he, you know. he's about to strike Okja and she catches the mic stand. Yeah, well, even before that, he preaches about, you know, we don't cause harm to any living creature, and then he beats the shit out of Stephen Yen yeah. in the hotel room. I think also, like, he's he's he really bloviates, and, and he's a... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like that they make him a ridiculous character to begin with, mm-hmm. because I think I would have been a little standoffish towards his character if he was just, like... If it was just directly, like, PETA... The PETA-ish people are going to yeah. be the heroes of the movie, mm-hmm. right? But because they make him a little ridiculous, I, I was a little—I was able to warm up to his character more because of it. And it's like his, his the hypocrisy of that group and the hypocrisy of the Miranda Corporation is like it's the core of the movie. Yeah, is like both sides are kind of at fault with where we're at. Yeah, but they're both hypocritical with their their stances. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like the, uh, oh, I think it's interesting. I was talking with my girlfriend as we were watching it. The, the scene when they kidnap Okja the first time mm-hmm. and they're going to release her back when they're all giving their speech about the ALF and I was like, man, this is hilarious. I paused the movie to talk to Cassandra about it and I was like, because there are people that are going to see this as like, they're totally making fun of PETA with this scene and then there are people that are going to think like, oh my God, these characters are loving and great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it totally plays to whatever your belief is, mm-hmm. I think. And I was, you know, somewhere in the middle. What did you guys think of Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie? <laughs> that is the super pig in the room. I thought he was horrible. <laughs> I loved it. Really? <laughs> so I am a perfect mix of you two because as soon as the movie was over, I looked at Ashley and I said, "We were." she said, what did you think of Jake Gyllenhaal? And I said, well, in about half his scenes, I thought it was funny and worked. And the other half, I wanted him off the screen completely because mm-hmm. it was obnoxious and weird. My thought is that he, like, to prepare for the role, I think he saw Snowpiercer and, like, the main English language Tilda Swinton character, who was just, like, insane in that movie. He's like, I'm going to out Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton. And I think he just Johnny Depp's it a little too much. He crutches (laughs) on a character and some affectations to that it's, like, Uncanny Valley, not a human being anymore. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but no. I think I think I think yeah. I think that's it. You, that's probably the point. And I loved it. <laughs> yeah, you you yeah. nailed it because he's playing a uh, a forgotten about like, child celebrity. Like not child. Not that he was a celebrity when he was a child, but he was a celebrity to children. Mm-hmm. He had like a stupid animal show mm-hmm. that was like like magical creatures or whatever it was called. And like now he's got like one more shot at the limelight, so he's gonna be that character again. Like. Like Paul Rubens, he's he turns on Pee Wee Herman. I did laugh out loud in the at him in the scene where they're in the office and they're talking to Mija about how she'll be the new face of the company, and you just see him through the the transparent glass in the background. Yeah. And you see him in the office chair, and he just kind of like turns, and, <laughs> and then he starts like rolling his chair over so that he can <laughs> get a better listen as to who's gonna who's gonna be the new face. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I like. I liked a lot of the, the the physical comedy that he did, yeah. even though it was like bombastic. And just a step back, him playing the character that he did is perfect for a Bong Joon Ho movie. That's true. Like, like overacting is always welcome in the movies in, that I've seen of his. But when they're in New York, when they're raising her up uh, out of the dais, and <laughs> he's laying on top of it, so spinning good. around with it, it's so good. Yeah. See, I think he's fine when. He's not speaking. I guess it's more his voice and how he's delivering lines. His his physicality is definitely on point for Bong Joon Ho movies, but yeah, but I think the other thing is he's only hit like, me he's sour. only in like three scenes. <laughs> I thought which is weird. Yeah, see, I thought he was really good in the scene in uh when they when they climb the mountain. He does his like he climbs the mountain. He's oh. exhausted and he's like sweating. 
and he's got this like kind of nasally, high-pitched, irritating voice. And then as soon as the camera's on, he's doing his performer voice, and yeah. he's his character. And it's like to me, it was like it, it was he was a good example of person who hasn't come to grips with the fact that no one wants to see them on camera anymore. And I think it's telling that mm-hmm. we have such such a lukewarm reaction to it. So he's pretty much in that scene, and then the boardroom scene, which he's barely in, mm-hmm. and then his big drunken. Yeah, yeah the underground lab thing where he's the he's the like the the fulcrum for that scene, and yeah. it's like a tragic scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know his part didn't work for me for yeah. that mm-hmm. underground scene. Yeah. I thought it was fine. I, I think that scene was a little him like laying on a big post pig rape was just it was the only part that felt pushed on the agenda. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to need to show us this. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean I think like the, the how do you think the animal kingdom works? The meat packing plant at the end was gross. it was gross and horrible, but it didn't feel pushed. I didn't yeah. feel like they were going out of their way to make me not like meat. Yeah. And, and they're like, just like, this is how it works. Yeah. And, and Paul Dano has a line right as they're going in there. He's like, I'm sorry. I didn't want it to end like this. And it's almost like Bong Joon-ho is looking at you and saying, I'm sorry, but this is this, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is where the movie ends. Right. It has to end at the meat right. processing yeah, I, I like that. I also really liked uh, Stephen uh, Yun, Yun in the movie. Yeah. 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 He was good. He was I good. think it was his only movie post uh, Walking Dead. Hmm. I think he was really good. Just his delivery of a line when he's translating, it's like she has to agree to the mission, and she says in Korean, "like we're going back to the mountains," and then he just goes, "She agrees to the mission." Yeah. <laughs> and I like his tattoo. Late later, she just wordlessly shows the tattoo, like the fresh tattoo. Yeah. Translations are secret. <laughs> so weird. That's just part of like the the Bong Joon Ho here. Yeah. yeah. In you know, so amid some tragic stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of uh, Tilda Swinton? I thought I thought both characters were great. She's, 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 this is, this is just another Tilda Swinton ass, Tilda Swinton performance. Yeah. Tilda Swinton AF. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, it's normal for Tilda. Yeah. Seems, uh, I, I was I, a I little disappointed only because the, the, I'd seen the preview where it's the, the advertisement yeah. trailer. Only, I was more disappointed in the character, not Tilda Swinton. Uh, mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton did great as she always does in everything she does. Uh, but, uh, the character was kind of. Just sort of a nothing character to me. Like it was a it was a CEO that cares about a you know appearance that I had seen before, and with just a few quirks here and there. Nothing, not bad, but just not like I wanted this to be a super memorable character, and for me it wasn't. Yeah, you know, like I think her character in Snowpiercer is a little more memorable. It's oh, yeah. kind of indelible for me how those, those fucking crazy teeth. she yeah. is. I will never forget those teeth. The teeth, yeah. the glasses, and just like the the Cockney evil. Yeah, yeah. I do like the passing of power from uh, Lucy Miranda to <laughs> to Nancy. It's like just real quick, and she's <laughs> so dumbfounded. And, and Nancy says, "Like for a minute there, you forgot you were a loser," and it's like. Ghost. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean that, that's that's why I like that character. Yeah, yeah. a lot. Is that, the 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 Lucy character because mm-hmm. she was more than just like a CEO who cared and kind of failed. She was like horrible at her fucking job. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's crazy. Like they talk about, how she goes and spends like two months at a CEO camp in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Like you're a fucking loony piece of shit. You're horrible at this. And I mean, it goes to when she says it, like our father was an evil, evil man. But yeah. He was a hell of a businessman. Not, not just her father. She goes down every family member who's ever been at the helm of the yeah. company <laughs> and talks shit about them. I, I really like that aspect that we don't even know what atrocities were committed by the like former <laughs> Miranda CEOs. Yeah. But like everyone in the world is clearly aware of it because she's apologizing for it. At, yeah. At, well, they they referenced one too. of them, right? He like made all the napalm that something or other. Oh, really? I yeah. missed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's like 
a really obvious transfer of power when, of course, they're smoking colored cigarettes. Huh. But when they touch the cigarettes together to light them, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like okay. If I were if I were writing a paper the freshman year of high school, I'd go symbolism. I think uh, <laughs> doesn't Lucy have a pink cigarette? Yeah. and Nancy has the green one. Yeah, yeah, and she's got green eyes, and it's all about money. Money, and I get it. <laughs> And yeah. in the end, does that does the end transfer make sense to you guys? Yeah, trading the golden spoiler alert, golden super pig for Okja. Yeah, yeah, it mean, seems easy. I mean, it's, they, it's it was, a one to one trade for her. Yeah, like it, it I mean, I, I thought I thought they were equal in money. I think in the beginning, yeah, they just wanted Okja for the startup, and she didn't give a shit about that anymore. She's going to turn it into meat. So. Mm-hmm. I do love just just another pig at that point to her. I love after after the transfer is she immediately contextualizes it as like, oh, this is our first ever super pig sale. Yeah, and it's like a burgeoning new market to her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did like that aspect. I loved her. Which which what what sister is that? What's her name? Sally. Nancy. 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 I love Nancy's reaction to the sale. Yeah, Yeah, it was really good. But seemed seemed convenient. Yeah, I guess it makes sense within her character is that she really doesn't care. About the about that kind of specific, the details are like the output and like the end result. It's like one super pig out, and these people are gone. It's like whatever. Yeah, yeah. And nothing, and no, nothing they're doing is stopping the production, which is also part of the movie. It's yeah. Like part of what foils the ALF is just apathy. Yeah, yeah. Just says like if it's cheap, they're gonna eat it, and they're gonna forget. About the the riot on all, all that stuff. I had a bacon omelet this morning. Yeah, which is sad. It is true. Yeah, I typically don't like preachy movies uh, unless they they kind of have to earn it. They kind of have to earn the right to preach to me, and I felt like Okja did with like the friendship at the beginning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't feel as I wasn't as turned off by the end as I might have been in another movie. But uh, I also didn't feel super preached at nearly nearly as much as I thought I was going to be. Yeah, true. <laughs> I don't know. You did a slow turn big eyes at me after you said that. <laughs> I felt like the message was pretty clear. And Actually, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's, that's a big jump. From what, this movie has a message to it preached at me. When, when, when I you finished, know? when I, finished I, I looked at TJ and I went, what do you think Bong Joon-ho thinks about capitalism? <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I did that I really did that really did not work for me at the end is the very overwrought crying of the super oh, yeah, pigs in the, in the in the field, yeah, I thought that was a little, uh, little, little hokey. Yeah, yeah. It's basically filmed like a concentration camp. Yeah, and that's what makes it. I don't know. I thought it was pretty. It, it hit me, I guess, in the in the heart spot when there's the uh, the two parents who let the little super pig go. And me too. And I was with them with that. But then, then kind the, of all the, doubling down on the yeah. yeah I, the it, movie could have probably done without that thing. Yeah, I think it would have been more powerful to just have the. Them smuggle the little 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 baby pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and little baby pigs cute in the very end. You just see like back to the idyllic South Korean mm-hmm. like mountains, uh, yeah. mountains, and then just in the background you see the pig yeah. like fall <laughs> up into a little waterfall. By the way, can we talk about the fact that like these pigs poop fish? So like, why would you ever need to slaughter mm-hmm. them? The pigs poop fish. Oh, they just poop. They just poop. Balls. What at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, it's fish. Yeah, Ocha poops a ton of because she says, "Come on, I want to have fish stew tonight," and then Ocha walks into the water and shits fish into the lake. Yeah, I didn't, I really? Didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I because when, it was poop. when yeah. they're doing the chase scene and 
She, like, pats him on the butt. I don't think she, the Okja poops fish at that point. What I took it as is, is not like it's a magical producer of fish or anything like okay. that, but just like that, like, he doesn't digest fish. And okay. he had eaten fish in the wild. He had to work them out of his system, and that's why she had to, like, uh, massage his butt to try to get him to poop them out. Because I was going to say, except these things can materialize fish, why would you ever kill one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right? Just eat fish forever. They keep murdering their fish factories. I yeah. have, oh, must have glossed over that part. Yeah, I totally did. When you're talking about the pooping fish thing, I just think of the the two different chase scenes where you know you get yeah this poop is, as a this is in like the first five minutes projectile M- must have been fussing with something at that time. The other thing about the preaching, I feel like it would have felt preachy if they didn't make fun of the PETA people so much. I think so too, and that that's what took it away from preach to me because uh, they were making fun of both sides. Well, I think so then hard. you're just you're just saying preachy as a negative thing because I'm yeah. I'm saying this is. This is earned preaching, and I don't mind it. Whereas, whereas if they had been too kind to the PETA people and too, you know, solely focused, too narrowly focused, then it would have been bad preaching. Yeah, I don't think all preaching is negative though either. But so I guess what I'm saying, I guess my question would be, what is a preachy movie if this is not a preachy movie? One that says the PETA people, like if they didn't make fun of the PETA people, it would be preachy to me at that point. But they 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 kind of show them as assholes too, so it doesn't seem yeah. like they're preaching I, I guess, one side yeah. or the other. I, I, I think, think more pre- more examples in documentaries like an inconvenient truth is preachy, but yeah. documentaries kind of by nature, are right? A lot most of the time are preachy. Yeah, I guess anything where you walk away thinking like this movie wants me to change the way I live my life. But, yeah, I, I really didn't. I mean, I know this sounds absurd, but I really didn't feel that way with Ocha as much. I don't feel like they wanted me to. I mean, yeah. sorry. I finished watching it at Golden Corral. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a definitely a soulless carnivore. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. I don't. I'm not going to stop eating. But I guess what's interesting in the movie is that it doesn't have an answer. It's like this is a pretty messed up industry, but what are we going to do about it? There's also, like it's there, and there's not much you can do. It also teaches us that the way to beat it is with money. I mean, also that they don't say like yeah. don't eat pigs. They say like we've eaten too much. Yeah, it's not like I don't know. I feel like they're not trying to be like these things have. Yeah, you know. And the, and the thing that's glossed over is there. These aren't the normal world hunger stats. This is some anonymous point in the future where right. like. World hunger has gotten in, like way worse, right? Because of you know over farming, whatever. It's actually like an alternate timeline because yeah. it starts in 07. Okay, yeah, starts in 07, and then they do the ten year thing, years, yeah, and twenty seventeen as the ten year mm-hmm. pig contest. Yeah, gotcha. whatever. It's good though. I liked it. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. I think the you know for a Netflix, I'm a proponent of Netflix original movies where I can see original movies from my television yeah. <laughs> day and date. Yeah. But I thought it was it had some pretty decent action set pieces for yeah. a something that's direct to Netflix. Yeah. Like the original chase scene when they're going through the underground mall was was pretty crazy. Yeah. And I like the the riot and the the chase from there. I think there's some fun stuff in a movie about, you know, a girl befriending a mystical Yeah. Not mystical, but magical creature. Yeah. My, my my favorite scene of any movie this year that I, is going to be her human cannonballing into the glass in the lobby. I, I wrote that down. I loved that scene. Yeah, it was really good. And just the just the uh, the sound of yeah. it, and then it's shattering and because a lot, lot hit, of great foot chasing in that shattered movie. because it hits the right frequency. Yeah, <laughs> I will say that it had the best 
mall chase scene since Blues Brothers. I like that. Also, I love the the driver guy for the Miranda Corporation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was, was so funny. They fucked. <laughs> and then in the post credit scene, he's like, and here's so and so. He's uh, the host of Miranda is so fucked dot com. <laughs> like, and like on the news, like, but you're a driver. It's like they fucked, not me. They fucked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. It, it may be. I think it's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of uh, competition for that though. Mm-hmm. Movies that came out this year. But yeah, I've, I've, I really enjoyed it. I, I've got three and they are Baby Driver, Okja, and then Logan. And I still really like Logan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Logan's good. I need to rewatch it. Oh, and Guardians 2. Is and I just four. love Bong Joon-ho frequency oh, movies. Such a forgettable like the, fucking movie. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just <laughs> mu- okay. muttering over here about how I didn't like Guardians 2 again. I was about to start muttering about the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to mutter? Yeah. Tough mutter. Yeah. All right. I think that's that's good for uh, our homework for this year. <laughs> this year. <laughs> so that yeah. does it for our homework for uh, for this week. Uh, I think we all enjoyed Okja. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for signing it. The home run for Netflix, I think. Yep. So um, what we're going to do instead of a normal news segment is we are going to start fawning over Game of Thrones. Oh, we can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is kind of a preview and kind of laying out the groundwork for, you know, obviously at the time Leftovers was kind of a, a show of the podcast where we would talk about it every week. And it seems like Game of Thrones is going to be a show for the country. Everybody's going to be talking yeah. about it every week, so yeah. we will be no different. <laughs> so our question, you think this season's going to be any good? <laughs> nope. All right. This, this has been Talkie Talk. Let's, <laughs> Let's split into camps. We have two nopes, a yep and a maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. The last trailer got me real amped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does anyone remember where characters were the last time we saw I think that them? would be a good little quick refresher before... Well, Arya just killed uh, the phrase. Yeah. Yes. The phrase. So, so sh- she's in Westeros. She's yeah. in... Uh, where are the we phrase We did not at? know she was there. The, the Riverlands? The or? Yeah, the Riverlands. Oh. So Arya is in... She's at the Twins. The Twins, that's it. Sansa yeah. and Jon are both at... Winterfell. Uh, Winterfell. Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Bran is still underground with uh, the three-eyed raven, right? No, 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 no three-eyed raven is toast. That's right, yeah. So with the, Bran's on his way to the wall. With the children? Did any of the children survive? Little fairy folk? I don't think the children no. survived. I, I, th- I don't think Well, they're... those children that were there. Yeah, uh, there yeah, may yeah. be more children, I think. So it's Bran just with... Um, Mira. Mira. Headed to... Are they, have they gone through the Are they the headed wall? to Winterfell? I think they're, they're just south of the wall. Okay. Just, Wait, north. No, just, just north. Just north of the wall. Because yeah. yeah. that guy brought him to the wall. They ran into Benjen. And he yeah. took him to the wall yeah, and yeah, left. Yeah. That was the last thing that happened. So Benjen's out there somewhere. Yeah. To... Hopefully we get to see more of him. Yeah, he's like half White Walker. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Well, I think it's because he's a Stark. Not to, like I don't want to get into like the deep conspiracies about like what the White Walkers are and the mm-hmm. Whites. It's clear that the Starks have something special in their bloodline. There's always a Stark in Winterfell. Like all this like mythology around the Starks. You mm-hmm. know, Bran the Builder built the Wall using magic and mm-hmm. giants. Like, and then that when Benjen ranges north of the Wall after Episode One, Season One, he like turns into a White Walker, and then, like, is, like, a, a chill dude. Not to make a pun. <laughs> but he did. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> it <was great. laughs> uh, here's one that I, I don't know the answer to. Where's Jamie? Jamie. Oh. Jamie's at the... Th- is he back in King's Ford Land? that Brienne just left? 
He's not in King's Landing because he didn't die. Yeah, didn't didn't he? Uh, he had a scene with Brianna before he Brianna Lannisters. I thought we left Jamie when they just Brianna's finished the siege at yeah, the, the Fish's castle. Oh, uh, Brendan, yeah, Brendan Rivers. Yeah, Brindon they call him the Fish, right? That's yeah, his Blackfish. Blackfish. That's yeah. It. Yeah, I think I think he's probably there. Wait, no, Brendan Rivers. I'm sorry. That's that is the baseball player? probably <laughs> that is probably the true identity of the Three Eyed Raven. I think. Right? Oh, Brendan Stark? The Three-Eyed Raven is, I thought, a Stark. I don't know. Well, it is now, right? Because isn't well, Brand, Brand. Brand essentially... Yeah. Wait, it's, uh, what's her name's uncle, right? Catelyn's yeah. uncle? Yeah, uncle? Blackfish. Blackfish, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I, th- I guess Jamie's still there. Probably on his way back to King's Landing. Probably. There's there's no way that he knows that, that and, Tommen has yeah. killed himself and Cersei blew up the Sept. Yeah, that really cleared the field for a lot of people to keep track of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got Daenerys and Tyrion are on their way back to Westeros. Yeah. Sailing to, I presume, Dragonstone? Because yeah. she would probably want to... From, from the previews, yeah. it looks like it's... And that's the first episode's title, is called Dragonstone. It also makes sense that, that, that that's where a Targaryen would would return mm-hmm. to yeah. Westeros. To their original throne. Cersei has taken the throne. Yep. She's, she's the only herself. one who fucking cares about as, it right now. Yeah. As the gypsy foretold in yeah. season two or three. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, your... your Yura and Theon. Yara. 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 I don't, they no. were sailing from the. Oh, they're with. They're with. Uh, they're the, with the, the, that's right. That's right. That's right. Euron. So, we don't know where Euron is. Jamie. Probably in pursuit. Right. Euron is the uh, older, like older the brother. uncle. The, uh, Theon holds uncle. the stone yeah. stone islands or yeah. Iron Islands. Iron Islands. Jamie's in King's Landing. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always a little. It's bit been a year, guys. <laughs> we're all a little rusty. <laughs> John catch that. What's that? Jamie's in King's Landing. Okay. I thought he made it back he at got, the end of the season. Back, found out that that Tom and Tom killed himself and that. I wonder if Cersei. He looked real pissed. Okay. He looked real pissed when he found out Cersei was taking the throne. Yes, which is probably the first step in him killing Cersei. That's the one of the few things I thought was going to happen for a few years. It's it's going to be really funny to watch. It's kind of like a I forget what it's called, but when uh, when Jackson was still fighting battles in Louisiana well after the war was over oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where like they're going to be fighting White Walkers and shit and Cersei's just going to like die and there's going to be no regent mm-hmm. <laughs> and just this thing that the Game of Thrones is not going to be about who's sitting on the on the throne only one person gives a shit about who's sitting on More it right now the Game Over of Thrones <laughs> I know where Arya is I've got, a, I've got a list sorry that's why I was yeah that's probably helpful where yeah. is Davos Seaworth is he with John? hold on let me we go through the list. And then we'll get to him. I he's, like Davos. Yeah, Where with, is Davos? He's with John and, and Sansa. Yeah. Did y'all do Yara and Theon already? Yeah. Uh, On the ship yeah. going to Dragonstone, probably. Yeah. It looks like they are uh, that they they might be promoing a another naval battle, but this time between Euron's fleet and the Essos fleet. Right. Which would be neat. So we haven't had a full on uh, naval battle since the the battle. Blackwater. Blackwater, yeah, yeah, and that wasn't much of a naval yeah. battle. That was like a port. Yeah, that battle. was Tyrion's trap. Yeah. yeah. Is, so does that mean if if Euron is possibly fighting Daenerys, could that could that spell out a Euron Cersei marriage? Could I, I've always thought that it was going to be Euron Daenerys, but I mean his objective is to kill Yara and Theon. Mm-hmm. At least, at, I feel at least like at the outset. I feel like the grudge has been set that Daenerys is part of what swindled his whole fleet. Yeah. So I don't see them as a as a faction. I could see Euron Cersei. Faction. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. So John 
exiled Melisandre from the north. Yep. After Davos had suggested that he execute her, John went against Davos, and now Davos is still standing by John's side at Winterfell. Right. Still sticking with the King of the North. Oh, what about the Hound? The Hound is somewhere. Well, he was wherever the hell he was with Ian McShane. Brothers Without Banners? No, not not officially, I don't think. Because there was the, the one-off episode. Oh, right. And he's supposedly still there. But but he was wandering after that. Yeah. Because hmm. his settlement had been destroyed and he re- rediscovered his... Yeah. You know, there's still vengeance to be had. Yeah, in the newest trailer, they do a good job of juxtaposing... Uh, a scene showing the hound and then immediately showing the mountain yep. which got the internet all a flutter about Clegane Bowl <laughs> <laughs> that it might happen finally just really want it to doesn't matter how many times both those characters die if, one day they will die <laughs> even if they ignore them both until the end of the series just bring up the credits and while the credits play just let us see them fighting to the death at yes. the end of how the about this? show where are Brienne and uh, Brienne's and Winterfell did she get to Pod? Yeah. Pod? Pod? Podrick? Yeah, Did they split up? Yeah. I thought they were together. They left the not, not they yet. left the Blackfish's castle and they were did they arrive at Winterfell in the finale? I thought so. Brianna she she yeah. wasn't at the Battle of the Bastards, mm-hmm. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So She's, I think she was en route. She may be going there. Yeah, and she may may have arrived. I don't re- I don't recall much on Brienne over the last couple episodes. She, well, she's kind of a minor character. She was at the, she was at the castle that Jamie was going to take. Yeah. That's the last significant scene yeah. I remember her yeah. in, is yeah. her meeting with him in the tent. And she wanted to protect Sansa. Yeah. That is the most interesting relationship in the whole series to Jamie me. Jamie and Brienne. Jamie and Brienne. Yeah. Lo- yeah. yeah. When they were traveling, at when uh, Jamie lost his hand, they had like the most magnetism, the most chemistry of anyone in the show. Mm. And even now when they met in the tent, you know, you can just see on him... Just so much love for her. Yeah. And it fights his, like, sense of duty to his family so much because anytime he's around Lannisters, he's just so miserable. Yeah. He bequeaths the Oathkeeper to her. Yeah. The, yeah. the Valerian steel of his family. She's in River Run. Okay. So she is in okay. River Run. Still, still down there. Yeah. Anybody else? So yeah, Littlefinger little is still in the, uh, chilling the out veil. in the moon door. Yeah. At the, in the veil. Did he just leave Sansa at the Battle of the Bastards? She left. Yeah. Yeah, he he left her in Winterfell with Roose, not Roose, Ramsay, and then no, don't no, no. And then he fucked off back to the Eyrie. Yeah, but he or, came back. He brought his forces oh. and saved saved the battle with the bastards. Oh, that's he's, right. So he is in Winterfell. Yeah, and and part of the the king, the king of the North scene that like ended it, he was there and like he was the one looking to Sansa. Oh yeah, it's like you're the true, you're my my pick for the. Where's the love from? Future Stoneface, what's he doing now? Daenerys' old he's buddy. A, he's around. He's Jorah, somewhere in Essos. Jorah more. Looking yeah. for a cure. And his cousin, who's the most badass show, uh, character in the entire show, that little girl, Mormont. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's great. She's awesome, Lady Mormont. Yeah. She's, they're probably still on Bear Island. This show would have been like four episodes long if it was about her. Because <laughs> she'd have she fucking conquered everything. <laughs> <laughs> that, that child actress is so good, though. Yes. Yeah, she is. Amazing. Hopefully they have more... This season of yeah. her, just She's her just so fascinating. shaming adults. Yeah, and in the nobody gives a shit. Where are the sand snakes? <laughs> yeah, off my screen. Thank God. <laughs> the, the Dorn stuff. I think people are so upset because the Dorn stuff in the books is so fascinating because you finally get like a venue change about like book four, and then it's like, whoa, it's the desert place that everyone talks about how no one can conquer. We want to hear about this yeah. like crazy Arabian Nights shit. Yeah, from what you were talking about, it, that's why that was my pick for the like spinoffs. Is that what? 
what I would like to see. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've announced anyone officially, but it's just such a weird. Little fingers and wire fuzzle, by the way. Is the sand stakes were just such a weird? Like, are they? I don't know. I don't really understand the dynamics of Dorne. I don't feel like it's a well yeah. like in the show. I don't think they did a good job of establishing the world of Dorne. We come to it with bias that this is like a Western Western European medieval setting. Yeah. So when we think about the law of who ascends to the throne, we fall back on it. That's probably what it is. That's probably what George R. R. Martin fell back on. Um, and the same thing with when it comes to bastards. But in Dorne, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. So when the Sand Snakes, who are all bastards, conspired to kill the rightful king... It could just be that whoever kills the king and holds the power is the leader of Dorne. Yeah. And so them conspiring to do that could make total sense. I mean, it is as foreign a land as you can get on Westeros that we don't totally understand their motives or what the hell is going on. It may have just... That's kind of how it was in the book, Sergeant Rope, dude. Isn't that kind of how Dorne is treated, though? Like, it's, it is the mysterious... Yeah. I mean, that we don't know anything about. Because they, they talk about their... Because the actual king in Dorne is this like grotesquely fat, like bedridden, like nonsense, like no leader. So they don't need to kill him in the books. I think they end up doing it anyway. But, uh, you know, they they have no desire. Alaria doesn't... Because she, she rules in his stead because he can't do anything. Huh. Um, so then in the books for them to kill Doran Martell? That's his name, Prince Doran? You know, it's... Could just be how it works. When I meant when I what I said about world building of Dorne, I, I just meant that I don't have a good feel for the land and like what's there except for those gardens and right. some sand. Like I don't know if the if is Dorne a city? Is Dorne a region? It's is, a region. Are there like yeah. farmers down? Like oh, that's yeah. the that's I, the aspect. Like, right. With Winterfell, you get the sense, even though you only see Winterfell, you mm-hmm. get a good sense of what surrounds Winterfell and the, mm-hmm. the types of people. Whereas Dorne just feels like a to a vacation resort or something yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But if, if Westeros is Gaul, I've always thought of Dorne as like Babylon in that it's like probably well, largely wasteland. It's the Middle East during the Crusades. Right. It's like there's 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 fertile land along mm-hmm. water. It's there's lots of like dead space. Yeah. Because when they talk in the books about like, you know, no one has ever conquered Dorne, some characters often respond with, why would you want to? I mean, if, if the show has just played its entire Dornish hand, I wouldn't be that mad. Yeah. Essentially, it is like another piece of evidence that Cersei, you know, despite all of her boldness, does not know how to play the game. She's a short gamer. Yeah. Sent, you know, part of the agreements throughout the years have sent heirs over there and sons and daughters, and they don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, it just progressed that story, which I'm fine with. If that's all it does in the show, yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the Olenna Tyrell and. That, that she has an alliance with Dorne is, like, fucking crazy. Yeah. I want there to be an army that rides against King's Landing and the Lannisters. And if it's theirs, like, cool. Right. Because there's... The Tyrell army is supposedly the largest army, right? Because they mentioned during the the Five Kings uh, season that, like, they wouldn't have won certain battles if it hadn't been the Tyrells. Yes. It was right. that marriage that allowed uh, What's-His-Name to be so... Uh, dominant in the war with uh, Renly. No. Yes, Renly. Yeah, because hmm. Renly was winning the war until Stannis murdered him. Yeah, yeah. So I think that would be cool. I wonder what the day one after the capital explodes, King's yeah. Landing explodes, is going to be. I mean, who does she, she, who, has, she has? No one around survived. Her. Like everyone in the the uh, Meister, Meister. Yeah, Kyburn. No, 
The crazy one. Yeah. I don't know his name. Like, yeah, has, has Marjorie's uh, dad or uncle that had the, the uh, He's dead. Martellian yeah. forces? Yeah, Mace is gone. You got, I mean, some of the army uh, that was grandma there. Grandma is the only Tyrell yeah. still alive, I think. Yeah. You got to admit, well, you, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. Some of the army that was there to, you know, just in case something happened with Marjorie, they've got to still be there. The entire city's not leveled, but right. everyone in that structure mm-hmm. was leveled. The sept. Everyone in the sept. Great sept. Let me, I want to shift gears. Let's just say for the new season, whose storyline, just based, not not just in a general sense, but what's storyline that you know some specifics about are you most excited for this season? And I'll start. I'm, I'm actually excited to see Sam learning things at the Citadel because yeah. we've heard about the Citadel for years. Sam is clearly very bright, and I think I'm I'm interested to see what he can learn. Yeah, there. he's, he's going to make the the like connections that like show redditors make like yeah. all the theorizing people. Yeah, hopefully he finally uh, connects some of that stuff. I can also see the show parking that for a season though. Yeah. Like like well, they parked Bran. Yeah, I, I would be so disappointed in that. Mm. Waited so long for for that uh, setting to show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially because the, the books tease that the Citadel's like kind of swimming with thieves and like underhanded politics. Mm. Like I would I would like to see Sam engaged in some of that. Yeah. Because Sam Sam's the everyman. Right. He's yeah. the hey, let's not fight about this yet. Let's like find out what's going on. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go look up look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably uh, even I was I hadn't been interested in her story as much the past couple of seasons, but just because the show does everything well, and and I feel like it's just ramping up now. I'm, I'm pretty interested in what what Arya's next move is anyway. What's next on her revenge list? I agree. I think one of the very few storylines that has kind of fallen flat for me was was her in the mm-hmm. the House of Many Faces. Yeah, yeah until her, her like season that. six, episode ten. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's back. Yeah. And I'm I'm happy that she's back in Westeros. Yeah. My my favorite thing about that finale was that, you know, she's she no longer gives she no longer cares about reuniting with John at the wall. She could come back to Westeros and where did she go? She went to the twins and killed the phrase. Murdered the phrase, baked them into food, and then fed them to their father and then killed Walder Frey. Like pretty, pretty awesome revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, drop, drop the mic. Yeah, I, I do hope that I do hope though that she heads north, and I would love to see a John Arya yeah. reunion because they were so close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, one like of my favorite parts runs. of the, the series was the John and Sansa reunion was you know yeah. teary eyed, which is yeah. you didn't even realize until you saw it happen. Like, oh shit, I haven't seen two Starks together in four seasons, five yeah. seasons, and those two were like never close. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were like yeah. didn't like each other. Yeah, yeah. Sansa was like mean to him all yeah. the time for being a bastard yeah well Sansa was a little bitch when the show started I mean she a lot like, she, her, yeah. a lot like her mother yeah. she yeah. was just yeah I guess for that reason my storyline I'm most interested in is Sansa as kind of a, a redeemed character from yeah. where she starts out and now someone who has actual agency and power you know through through Littlefinger and through you know just being a Winterfell now right? yeah, yeah. She's being, being an experienced influencer now yeah, yeah she's and really the, learned a lot yeah. i think yeah. the schism between her and john will be interesting this year because john's going to be super focused on the white walkers and that may not be sansa's main focus yeah. who's who's more battle who's more tested with their survival skills in this world john who's lived north of the wall for a, a good bit uh or sansa who lived with joffrey and then 
Ramsey. Ramsey Bolton. Like, she knows how to fucking survive. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. she has learned it, and that is yeah. impressive for what she started as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I misspoke. I don't think that Cersei's the only person who cares about the Game of Thrones. I think that oh, no, there's still Sansa May. Yeah. I think Littlefinger and, certainly does. Oh, yeah. And, and Daenerys, I mean. Daenerys, yes. She doesn't even know about she the threat. She doesn't really care. She, she wants, wants to be in charge of Westeros. Right, yeah. She, want, she wants to, to kill, she wants to unseat whoever's at, on the throne. That doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that. And that's essentially everyone she, else who wants the throne. She wants, but she wants to kill Lannisters. That that's her main drive. She wants her revenge on Lannisters for stealing her homeland and her birthright, and Starks as well. And Starks as well. My most interesting storyline is Brienne. I love yeah, watching yes. her. Her James story so is so good. Yeah, and she's such a, a she's she's one of the characters who's still moving around the map. Mm-hmm. And isn't doesn't have a base of operations at all. Mm-hmm. You know, she just like we never hear about Tarth. Tarth is not like a central place. She's never going back to Tarth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm curious to know if she's just going to join Sansa and her machinations, or if she and Pod are going to uh, follow kind of the book's thrust for them and go kind of scout out with the uh, Brotherhood without banners because they are featured in the trailer. Or the yeah. Thoros of Myriad. I'm pretty interested awesome. in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a question. Guy who, in like season two, who gets shipped off into the boat. I was just about to bring up Gendry. Yeah. Is he uh, ever coming back? I really hope there's an episode where it's just Gendry versus a large marlin. I mean, I don't, <laughs> at this, at this I don't point, think so, pointless. and I don't think it they I was just to be. curious. It was yeah. just weird. Because her, you know, that was wrapped up in the, uh, the Stannis and Melisandre plot. It's like getting rid of heirs. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's, he's the only Baratheon other than. Cersei, technically, who's alive, and I guess he would still have a claim to the throne over her. But it's at this point with like the battles converging, I think you have more important people with actual momentum trying to get the throne mm-hmm. rather than just like a technicality. Boy. Dude shows up in his rowboat. If, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not interested in it. Yeah, just it's, it's just a weird thread. Yeah, well, there's a, it's a loose end that never got tied. If Benioff and Weiss want to have a happily ever as, after, as and most they, loose ends are, yeah, not tied. If if they want to have a happily ever ever after. Ever after ending, then maybe Gendry comes back and is with Arya, but that's never going to happen. So this, this, the, like the first episode of season seven opens, and it's just him like still rowing across the ocean. <laughs> you never see him again. Let's <laughs> show you that for. He might show up as part of Euron's fleet, like a huge beard, <laughs> huge biceps. <Yeah. laughs> what if they just showed him on the map at the beginning? You know, it always changes to see a little guy like that. Just, <laughs> just, just build a tiny boat. And you see one of those like uh, map dragons out of the sea. He's like, like the he's like the he's he's like the kid from Family Circles or Circus, where it's just the little dotted line showing all the places Gendry's been rowing for uh, five seasons. <laughs> And he runs into a map legend and like sinks. He's <laughs> <laughs> the interactive map. Yeah, just like figure eights on the ocean. I really, I really want just a Gendry episode. Maybe that should be episode one. We've all been waiting for so long for Game of Thrones to return. They would just, totally do that to us. They would. That's a good, good transition to. Do you guys have any predictions? Anyone who's going to die on episode one? Ooh, ooh. Dragonstone. Episode one. I mean, unless they intercept the fleet heading to Dragonstone, I don't really. Maybe the, maybe the the Greyjoy brother, Theon. No, the like, older one. Oh, Euron. Like not a character I have that anybody has a lot invested in. I'll say Dario. Dario Naharis. He's in Marine, leading by himself. Yep. Yeah. Then <laughs> things <laughs> things are gonna fall apart there. well for him. <laughs> I, I think that that no uh, no alliance lasts long, probably with the Sand Snakes and Elena Tyrell. Is, 
not long for this world. Yeah, Elena's. Uh, I'm a little worried about her too. I'm not saying episode one, but I'm saying this season. I think she probably yeah. eats, bites it. Yeah, this season. I'm curious as to when the Cersei death happens. I think like it'll it be can, like last episode kind of thing. It's so irrelevant. It's just not like the, the main plot. Yeah, that's that's now, my, my point. Now that the main plot is about this impending threat from the north. Well, it isn't really yet. Not everybody understands it yet. Right. So she's. So she's, I think that's like the you know this season is seven episodes, eight episodes, eight and six, yeah. right? Yeah, seven. So I think seven and six. that's going to be more the last six than the first eight. I think it's the other way around. Yeah, because I think the the big threat is the what's coming from the north. Yeah, I think, yeah. That I think that's going to be the final season. Yeah, I think. Yeah, this, I think that's what's and going. The, this to season be. is going to be Cersei. Is what I'm saying. I think it's going to be more about Jamie. She has nothing to do with what's coming from the, the north. The end of the season is going to be more about Jamie convincing her to not be like the Mad King and to like wake up and realize that she needs to stop putting knives to the throats of man and focus on like sending people to the wall as the person who commands probably the respect of the Lannister force. She needs to point spears at the wall, be, not at. That would be such gates. a character break for her to be like, okay. I'll send my No, I think I think he's going to yeah, try. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and I'm still holding strong that Jamie kills Cersei. See, I think at some point. I can still see her still denying it and having power and White Walkers overrun King's Landing. So that's yeah, a that, long that, way south. If, that, if that's what happens, they just win. <laughs> that's how Game of Thrones ends. So last year, I had a prediction for the last image of the season, and I got it right. And it was uh, first time I'd done that. It was I predicted the season would end with Daenerys on a boat headed towards Westeros. I have a prediction for the season. Season ends with the destruction of the Wall. That's what I would like. I think that would be a cool ending to the season where that sets up a very imminent concern for the final season. I still think it's going to be mostly more build up with White Walkers this season. Can I counterpick? Yes, I'm going to say it's Daenerys on the Iron Throne. I can see that. I kind of like the idea. It'd probably be a, a seriously death. <laughs> I like the, she, well, she can go back to King uh, uh, Casterly Rock. I like the idea. The bear's gonna let her go. Oh yeah, I mean, but like her, <laughs> yeah. well, her, I mean, her tucking tail and hiding in Casterly Rock and declaring that that's the capital of Westeros is totally a yeah, she, yeah, that is a Lannister thing. And she has with her maester like all kinds of tunnels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she could probably know it's inevitable and escape, like you're saying. Yeah. I'm looking forward to an episode, if, if they ever have this shot, where it's just uh, an episode, or maybe even a season ends with just an empty Iron Throne, and an empty building, and no one giving a shit. Like, cool. mm-hmm. Cersei's abandoned it, and Daenerys also has abandoned it. And right. Just because of more things. The real war. So here's a, so this is kind of an obvious question, So, but the choices are this season, next season, or never, I guess never is a possibility, but when does Daenerys find out that her nephew, John? is possibly a rightful heir ahead of her to the throne. Next season. Never. This season. Nice. Ooh, fun. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I think they're going to get all the politics out of the way this season. <coughs> and then the last season is going to be war with the Whites and afterwards. It would be fun if the final battle was at Winterfell with uh, the White Walkers. Winterfell is such a <laughs> shitty castle, though. See, my yeah. thing is, like, <laughs> who knows that secret? Bran. Bran. Yeah. And... You're saying that Bran gets to... Bran's headed to Winterfell. So I think John's going to find out soon. Yeah. yeah. Well, your question was Daenerys finding out. Right. Yes. Yeah. But I, th- I think at some point that's going to be a... They're going to meet. I think that's that's there to be a character like... It's the biggest obstacle for Daenerys who her, whole, her entire life she has thought she has been wrongly 
the t- the the throne has been wrongly taken away from her, mm-hmm. and then for her to find out that it was never hers to begin with, it was her yeah. her nephew. He was the one who got screwed out of the throne. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's funny also because the whole reason why she fled, why she was you know whisked away by Varys to Essos, was because Robert Baratheon wanted to kill every last Targaryen so they didn't have a claim to the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now there's the, not a living Baratheon. Well, you know? right. Well. <laughs> Road that boat. Um, but so, like, you know, Wallaby she, way. Wallaby she, way. she's gonna get there and she's gonna go. I want to kill the, mat, the 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 King Robert Baratheon, and it's like not there. It's like, all right, well then, you know, King <laughs> King Joffrey. It's like, well, not there. Stannis, no. Renly, no. Like everyone, everyone who she wanted to dethrone is not on the throne. Yeah, I know she, like, she knows Cersei bitch. She knows Robert's dead, but, but I don't Lannisters. know how, yeah. I don't know if she knows all of them. Because the Lannisters right. tried to assassinate her. Right. With the poison. Yeah. Let's do one more, like, one round draft before we wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, first, first name character that speaks this season. <laughs> Who's gonna be? What are they gonna start with? Tyrion. Baelish. I think opening on Winterfell and Baelish kind of Counseling Sansa is, I think a, it's gonna is a good up. slow way to start the season. My my sneaky pick is it's going to start with like uh, Tyrion throwing up over the side of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> like, Ugh. it will be the first word. Uh, Varys. Okay, I'll, I'll go Sam. But by the way, if, if we were going to do the uh, the Who Lives this season, my pick was going to be Varys. I think Varys is unkillable. No, like not because fans like love him, but because like he's crazy. I, I he's never see that he would ever get in a situation where somebody could kill him. He has a growing sense of like duty though, and that gets people killed. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel <laughs> like he, he to the, to the to, realm. Yeah, Varys. that's the moves that he has made has been for the realm. He should be king. <laughs> I was I was probably gonna pick Littlefinger to survive the season. I feel like he'll be one of the last. I think he's garbage that can be cleaned up this season. If he dies, Sansa kills him. Sansa Uh, Sansa is due for her first blood. I would love Littlefinger to be a big death of the season because I feel like we need to just get him out of the way for the final season. Either that or let Littlefinger take the throne and nobody give a shit. Yeah. I I could see Sansa commanding a force. Sansa commanding a force that overruns Littlefinger and he's put to death. There's no. Oh, that's right. He's at the Eerie. I I always forget about the veil. I'm like, Littlefinger doesn't. Like, he's. Who cares about him? Like the fingers are like it's like garbage little like land. But then I remember the Aaron bullshit. Mm. Does, he's also like he's got Heron Hall too. Heron Hall's also just nonsense. There's, yeah. there's nothing at Heron Hall. Yeah. Except for the circus soldiers. If this were a comedy, he would be he would continue to accumulate lands and <laughs> power only for there to be no value in the power anymore. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Super excited. Starts Sunday the fifteenth. Is yeah. that right? 16th? Next. So what is the one Sunday after the you listen 16th. to this? <laughs> this is where the day of the week, the number, comes, comes into play. play. Yeah. Cool. Alright, that's, that's the Thrones talk. We'll assign the new homework after that, and we did a little something fun. We solicited some opinions about what we should talk about next as our movie, and we, we culled the results from the uh, the Facebook walls. The walls. <laughs> We each picked a uh, picked a poll option, and we're going to put it up for you guys to pick which one. Myself, I went with, saw this a couple times, and I'd seen it and be interested in you guys seeing it. It's my, one of my favorites of this year so far. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. The movie is, um, it's Melanie Linsky and Elijah Wood, and it's about reaching your, your breaking point for being fed up with the tiny injustices and, and slights that go on in your world. 
Hmm. And it's a really small scale, like suburban neighborhood noir that kind of picks up steam cool. as it goes along. Interesting. All right. Seems like a good choice. Uh, I'll go next. I picked the movie, which was suggested by John. It's a 2016 movie, Christine. It's the story of Christine Chubbuck, a reporter struggling with depression, and uh, she uh, famously killed herself on television. And so it's about, it's her story, her, uh, you know, what leads up to that. It's uh, stars Rebecca Hall, and it's uh, supposed to be really good. Even though it sounds kind of sad. A little sad. I would take the kind of out of it. It yeah. sounds sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I picked The Nightmare, suggested by Katie on the Facebook group. It is a, I don't really know if it's a true documentary, but it's it's set up as a documentary. And then they do uh, kind of the live bits of it. But it's about uh, people who have nightmares during sleep paralysis mm-hmm. and how real those feel. And it's kind of a documentary, Some maybe horrifying. faux documentary. It, it it looked terrifying. I've, I've read some about that stuff. It's yeah. creepy as a... And it's the same director of the guy who did Room 237. Yeah. All those shining uh, theories. Yeah. That was fun. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in for a good scare. I haven't had one in a while. So it's the nightmare seemed neat. Yeah. It's interesting to get a scare in a documentary. Yeah, I was just thinking that's that. That's not just like a uh, depressing scare. I really like the conceit that it's like it's a documentary, but all like the cutaway stuff is high production, little like horror vignettes. Mm-hmm. Of the stories people are telling. I uh, picked the 2011 comedy drama, The Beaver. It's uh, directed by Jodie Foster, starring her and Mel Gibson, Jennifer Lawrence, Anton Gelchin. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is in that movie. Yeah. I did not know that. Claims Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I remember when this came out, because it was like right when Mel Gibson, everyone was like, Mel Gibson's lost it. He's never going to work again. But his best friend, Jodie Foster, wrote this part for him where he's a man who has an emotional and mental breakdown. And seeks therapy through a hand puppet, which yep. is a beaver. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah. yeah. I think the script was on the blacklist for a while, like mm-hmm. the most popular and produced screenplays. And then Jodie Foster called up her buddy Mel and was like, I got a movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to take some blows, but. So uh, I guess Netflix. these are all on Netflix. Cool. So you guys vote. We'll pick what, uh, we'll watch whatever you pick. It should be fun. Yep. And like I said, we're on vacation, TBD, when the next one will go up. We'll let you guys know. Yep. So anyway, this was a Talkie Talk podcast for the Media by Us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter at the Media by Us. Email the Media by Us at gmail.com. Facebook, movies by us, TV by us, games by us. Love to hear from you for any podcast topics. Subscribe to the podcast of your podcasting app. <laughs> Anyone else is welcome to say any of this shit, by the way, <laughs> any episode. I don't see any takers. <laughs> Thanks. No one has access to your script, though. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I want to just make it public to the public. <laughs> I'm going to put the link on including Google. Including the bear picture? <laughs> yeah. Including the bear picture. <laughs> so thanks again to the Willow Walkers for providing the intro music. We may or may not have outro music. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but after that, we should have some dedicated outro music coming pretty soon. Yeah. Pretty excited, excited about, about it. That. So anyway, I want to say thanks to Chris. <laughs> Barely alive. Thanks to Brent. Dot com. <laughs> and thanks to TJ. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, David. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Game Bowl. Ooh, we put the tires on and your car exploded. Ooh, fun. Click, 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 Game Bowl.